Welcome back to another episode of the Broker to Broker Real Estate Podcast. Uh, most of our agents out there today, they struggle with one thing and it's it's selling and selling and selling and not having an exit strategy. So today we're going to be talking about passive alternative investing and I have a very special guest that's going to be joining us. So let's get started. Welcome to the Broker to Broker Real Estate Podcast, where we have real raw conversations with industry leaders, finding out how to connect, support, lead, and ultimately make an impact and drive results in the lives of your agents. I'm your host, Nathan Daniel, and welcome to the show. All right, so I'm really excited today because from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, I have Heather Drevis from Secured Investment Corp that's going to be joining us. Heather, welcome to the show today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, uh, I know uh, we had a conversation a little while ago and y'all, uh, you were telling me uh, about Secured Investment Corp and what y'all are doing. Uh, and it, it kind of intrigued me because as we were you know, talking about uh, our listeners out there right now, our, our real estate brokers, their leaders, and uh, you know, we got on the topic of, of an exit strategy, if you will, for real estate agents. So I'm excited that you're here to talk about that today. So before we get going, Tell us about yourself and Secured Investment Corp. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, it's pretty exciting to be part of such an amazing organization. I mean, we, we help all types of clients. And when I, when I say that, what I mean is, you know, we, we help educate active real estate investors that are people just getting, you know, dipping their toes into the real estate investment uh, opportunities. And these are people that are typically out fixing and flipping or wholesaling, you know, those types of strategies. Um, and we, we help them by educating them on how to find those deals um, and then also helping them with the funding side of things. So we are technically a private lender. Um, my background, um, and I feel pretty honored and, and lucky to kind of be able to work with these types of clients, is really helping our, our clients that are looking for something more passive. And, you know, there is a, a huge mix of different types of clients. You know, we have everything from um, high net worth individuals, dentists specifically, that um, work, 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 have accumulated this capital, um, agents, brokers, you know, same type of thing. It's usually a, a seven day week, work week, uh, and they have very little time to, to invest. And so we provide opportunities where they can actually passively invest in uh, investment opportunities that are specifically backed by residential real estate assets. And, you know, um, what I like about that and, and what makes me feel good at the end of the day is that I'm helping these people create wealth and legacies to leave their families. You know, um, a lot of people work all their lives, accumulate capital, and, you know, it's nice to be able to provide them opportunities where they're yielding high yields and they're able to live off their interests and not even typically dip into their principal you know, that they've saved up and accumulated. So, um, you know, a lot of my clients that are at that age where they're retired um, are on vacation and, you know, they're just waiting for their quarterly interest checks that they make off of our funds. And um, that's a pretty good feeling. And, and a lot of them have set themselves up in a way that they're leaving a huge legacy to their, their families too. It's not just, you know, providing them the quality of life that they want to live. So, um, you know, I, I, it makes me feel satisfied. You know, we have a motto here at Secured Investment Corp is we get what we want by helping others get what they want. And we focus around our clients, whether that's our passive investing clients or our active clients that are, you know, becoming more educated and, and getting very active with real estate. 
Well, I'm excited to have you on. Thank you for telling us your story a little bit. Uh, I'm excited to be uh, talking today about passive alternative investing uh, because I'm seeing more and more of it actually creep up in our industry. And uh, so I I definitely want to make sure that we are educating uh, the listeners, like leaders out there, so we know what's going on. So I appreciate you coming on and talking about this today because uh, I, I've seen it so often where agents will be out there and they're they're selling houses and selling houses and they really don't have an exit strategy. And this could be a potential opportunity for people. Absolutely. So, well, um, all right. So you offer a, a couple of different things. Um, and, and and really, I, w- I want to start here. Uh, I, the opportunity that, that we're faced with right now with affordable housing and the rental space. Tell us about the opportunity that you see uh, coming up. Yeah, well, I I believe there's opportunity coming up, but I think there's always been opportunity. And, you know, I've been with SIC or Secured Investment Corp for 10 years. And one of the things that we have always focused on is investing in the affordable housing market. That has been our steadfast, you know, we have tried uh, flipping a couple very high-end homes. They took forever. Our return on investment was very little. And, you know, it just confirmed our feelings. And Mm -hmm. The reason that we stay in that affordable housing market space is there's lots of opportunity, but there's also opportunity to pivot. And I think the market right now is a a testament to that, right? You know, you markets are hot, markets are hot, um, but there's still tons of opportunities for first time home buyers. There's tons of financing programs as brokers. They probably are very aware of this. Uh, And so we educate our students, but we also practice what we preach. And those are the types of houses we're buying and investing in. We're either lending against houses in the affordable housing market space or we're buying those types of houses because in the event of a downturn, so when markets start shifting and we've seen it a little bit, you know, we are uh, locally in in a town called Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, um, which was one of the top 10 best cities to move to in the United States about six months ago. Um, We didn't really like that because we thought it was this little secret town that nobody knew about. But um, there's an influx of people moving here. And we're also investing in Spokane, Washington, which is really still a hot market, too. Um, We haven't seen values go down, but we have seen the markets cool off. Houses are taking longer, longer to sell. um, But we've seen a huge rental market opportunity. uh, And there's not enough rentals out there. I think what has happened locally for us is we have a lot of locals that have owned homes for 15 years and they see the opportunity to sell these properties, you know, without any capital gains, which I personally did last spring. It was like, heck yeah, we've lived here 12 years. We have this big house. Our kids were out of it and we're like, this is the time to sell. But the challenge is you have these people that are selling that now are also priced out of the market. And so they can't afford to buy another house, most of them. Uh, And now they're looking for rentals. And so there's a huge opportunity for investors that are buying turnkeys or even, you know, small multifamily, you know, four units, duplexes, things of that nature. We have quite a few duplex projects going on. So we're seeing opportunity there. We're also seeing some opportunity uh, with the foreclosure moratoriums lifted. I still think it's about six months down the road till you start seeing those hit the market. Um, Idaho is a little bit farther ahead of the game than Washington State is. Washington State just lifted those moratoriums about three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are anticipating as fund managers being able to take advantage of those opportunities. And, you know, maybe we're not going to buy those houses to fix and flips, but rather buy them to rent. So, 
you know, as an investor, um, it, it's just aligning yourself when you see those downturns in the markets. We're not scared of them. We see huge opportunity, um, you know, and and also an opportunity not just for us and our funds to make money, but to also provide housing. And I think people forget that and lose sight of it. You know, it's it's not trying to take advantage of people that are having a, a hard time, but actually taking advantage of those opportunities to help provide housing. We've bought a ton of houses where we let the occupants stay in them and rent them back. So, um, you know, again, it's all about serving the clients. For sure. Well, uh, and I heard a couple different things there. Um, it was interesting. I actually just literally... 15 minutes ago, got off of a call uh, with one of our partners um, actually talking about this. And it was interesting because actually on the HUD website, there was actually a house for sale, which I thought was interesting because there hasn't been any on their site for a while. So right. uh, it was interesting starting to see what you were just talking about come up. Now, I wanted to ask specifically with your funds, what it sounds like with affordable housing, your focus primarily with with your fund is the single family, maybe small multifamily duplexes like yeah, that or so what's your primary? So first thing to understand about our funds is we do diversify them. And what I mean by that is we take 75% of our fund balance and we lend that money out. So we lend that money to other real estate investors. So any of you that are on the podcast, if you're needing funding for your investment properties, we can help with that. But uh, those loans are secured by first liens against single family residences, one to four units. They have to be non-owner occupied. So investment purposes only. And so that 75% of the fund balance generates profit off things like origination points, interest payments, and they're secured by first lien short-term loans. The other 25, and that's nationwide. So we lend all over. The other 25% of the fund balance, we invest that in hard assets in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and Spokane. And again, those are single family up to four units. So like I mentioned, we've started developing a couple duplex projects Mm -hmm. and four units. Um, but our main focus is single family, one to four units. And again, affordable housing markets. So when I say that, what we look at, we don't lend and we don't buy above the FHA cap. We okay. stay under that FHA cap because, and, and brokers can attest to this, when you get above the FHA cap and every county is different, uh, your database of home buyers uh, decreases greatly. So we want to be in the best place where we know the most people can qualify for those types of properties. I like that. Okay. All right. So uh, l- let's get into it a little bit talking about agents, right? So if I'm an agent out there and this is what's, th- this is what's re- really unique, I think. Um, and so if you're listening to this right now, whether you're an agent, whether you're a leader, um, I want to bring up the topic of accredited versus non-accredited investing. Can you tell us and educate us a little bit about the difference between Absolutely. the two? So um, it's important to understand that accredited versus non-accredited is the securities and exchange definition. It's not our our requirement. You know, our funds are very regulated by what they call the SEC. So if you are an accredited investor, the SEC says that you can qualify one of two ways. You can either have a million dollars in assets, and that excludes any equity you have in your primary residence. Um, the thing to keep in mind about that, because I've had people come to me and they say, I got, I've got $2 million in assets, and then we look at their liabilities and they owe a million and a half dollars. So it is your assets in comparison to your liabilities. So your assets have to ex- exceed what you owe. Um, or you can qualify through your income, which some of your brokers might very well do this because 
it is $200,000 a year in annual income as a single, $300,000 as a married couple, and it has to be for the last two consecutive years. So it's one or the other. And so if you fall within one of those definitions, uh, then you are what is called an accredited investor. And I will tell you, we have dealt with and raised capital, a lot of capital from accredited investors pretty much my whole career. I mean, that has been really the bulk of the type of clients I work with. And to be perfectly transparent as an organization and just me individually, I always wondered why why the wealthy or people that already had assets were the only ones that had the ability to invest in these funds. And I really, and we, you know, at Secured Investment Corp feel like it was a disservice. Well, a few years back, they changed some of the securities laws and they said, here's the deal. You guys can open up an, a non-accredited investor fund, but we're going to limit how much that they can invest with you. And that's how the SEC feels good and warm and fuzzy saying that, you know, Nathan, who's non-accredited, is going to go in their fund and he's not going to put all their eggs in, in their basket. And that's their biggest concern, right? They don't mm -hmm. want somebody sticking their last penny with us. And, you know, in my opinion, this isn't any riskier than the stock market. I think it's less risky because they're hard assets backing it. But that's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. So we actually opened a fund three years ago that the general public can invest in. And we were one of the first early adopters of what's called a Regulation A plus fund. And it is open to anybody. It has a $1,000 minimum. And the SEC says you can invest in it. You don't have to be accredited. However, the maximum you can invest is going to be 10% of your annual estimated income or 10% of your estimated assets. Okay. All right. So, well, well, thank you for explaining the two, the difference between the two. I appreciate that. And so three years ago, you started this fund. And this is really what I want to get into now, because uh, the non-accredited uh, non investment opportunity with this. Mm -hmm. um, so often, right, we uh, like as agents, right, we, we get these commissions. And all of a sudden, like they're they're allocated, right? We pay taxes, we pay our broker fees, we pay marketing, we pay a lot of other stuff. And oftentimes what's forgotten is to pay ourselves first and reinvest some of that. And so inside of this, you're saying it's a thousand dollar minimum to start, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if if I'm an agent and I say want to dedicate a certain percentage of my future commissions. It, do I have to say like, hey, I'm going to do a thousand dollars a month, or is it how how can I invest over time? So you just have to make your first initial one thousand dollar investment. Okay. And we have a sophisticated platform where we set your user account up. It's, you know, I, I hate to even say this, it's like crowdfunding. I mean, mm -hmm. anymore you can do that stuff from your phone. Um, so you set your account up, you put your thousand dollars in, but you can go back and you can make any other investments you want. It has to be in $1,000 increments and you don't have to commit to saying, I'm going to put a thousand dollars in every month. So once okay. you hit your maximum of that 10%, then it's not going to let you invest anymore. But honestly, the thing with a lot of clients is their assets and their income typically go up as the year goes by. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can always adjust that. That's not set in stone. So, okay. um, yep. Just the $1,000 commitment. So, okay. So that initial thousand dollar commitment and then anytime you reinvest. So if you're listening to this and you're an agent and you're like, this might be something I want to look into. Maybe you don't have, like, maybe you're not, I don't know, say 10% of your commission income is not that thousand dollar mark. It's easy mm -hmm. to set up an account, right? Start saving money in an account to where if you're going to invest in something like this, 
then you have a dedicated space where you're holding that and you are paying yourself to invest in the future. Um, because I think oftentimes, um, so many of us get started in real estate for that passive income opportunity. So tell us about what, and I know you can't say any like, Hey, results and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, on average, if I'm in a non-accredited investment opportunity, like what kind of return should I be getting? Like what kind of passive opportunity income can I be expecting in the future? And I think that's a fair question. And we're, you know, we are a generally solicited fund, meaning we can talk publicly about it. And when I talk about returns, I talk about historical returns. Um, that fund has historically be, been paying out eight to 10%. Okay. Uh, and again, you know, that is invested in the, the residential real estate space. Um, I'm one of three fund managers. I've been here 10 years and I don't anticipate that changing. But again, Past performance isn't always a guarantee of future performance. You know, I have to keep my legal team happy. Um, but our our funds have yielded eight to eleven percent for the last eight years. So okay. I feel like we have a very good track record. So I invest a thousand dollars, typically based on past returns. Mm -hmm. I could expect quarterly passive income of eight to eleven percent. So eighty bucks to one hundred and ten bucks based on the thousand that I invested. Yep. And the other couple things that I would want to mention about the funds is, one, they are uh, friendly to self-directed IRAs. So for you brokers, if you are not setting up self-directed IRAs, you, you really need to look into that because that is a huge opportunity for tax deferment. I mean, you can set them up as traditional or Roth. You can set up old 401k accounts from previous employers. You can roll those to self-directed custodians. And our funds are friendly to that. I would say 80% of our clients that are invested with us have some some form of a, a tax deferred account set up. So that's one strategy. Um, the other thing I would mention is we allow for reinvesting of your earnings. And that's an awesome opportunity because that's compounding your, your earnings. So you're going to see I've ran multiple calculations for clients and it's typically about a half a percent higher when you're reinvesting your earnings because that fund pays profit out every month. So every mm -hmm. single month, your earnings are reinvested back in there and you're just compounding that. And it's crazy how much faster those accounts grow doing that. But again, I, you know, like I tell people, it depends on where you're at. Some people mm -hmm. are retiring and they're selling a business and they're looking to replace their income and they need cash flow. The fund does that. Or they're at an age or a time in their life where they're just trying to build those accounts as quick and as big as they can, then the growth mode would be a better option. You mm -hmm. can set it up however. And the other thing is you can always change it. So I have, like I said, a lot of dentists I work with that are going to sell their practice or anticipate selling it in two to three years. And they're mm -hmm. saying, I don't need the cash flow right now, but in three years when I sell that practice, I need the cash flow. Then we just switch the account over to pay out their earnings and then they're accomplishing that. Okay. So one, one question that came up as you were talking, um, you know, say I invest, invest into the fund. Uh, you know, I know we're investing in some kind of hard asset, like liquidity wise, cash out wise. Is there a time frame that we're like, Hey, I need to get this out yep. you know, versus Those are good stock questions. market. Yeah. Versus yeah, stock market. I can just question. sell like, <laughs> I know. So the thing to keep in mind is, you know, stock market is paper. Mm -hmm. uh, the fund is hard assets. These are, you know, as fund managers, we would be terrible fund managers if we had that money just sitting in an account like that money's out there working for you. Um, and so 
for the, the health of the fund, we have a tie-up period. So that means you have to stay in the fund for a year. So your money is tied up for 12 months. Um, if you want to divest anytime after that year, it is another four-quarter divesting process. So the way it works, you're in a year, for whatever reason you want to exit the fund, you let us know in writing just by email. And then we start your divesting process and you are returned 25% of whatever you're requesting out every quarter for four quarters. And then that way it gives us the ability to free up capital and not have a run on the fund. And it's in the best interest of everybody else that's in the fund, right? So sure. uh, 12 months, I tell people the easy way to remember it, 12 months in, 12 months to get out. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, because we are investing in hard assets, right? Yep. So it does some, take some time. And like you said, protecting everybody else, it's also investing in the fund. You can't just pull everything out because that would affect their returns as well. So that makes sense. Um, okay. So uh, as we begin to wrap up, I know one thing that uh, that you threw up here um, into our uh, into our conversation beforehand was don't rely on Wall Street money. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to tell us what you mean by that. Yeah. And I, I think this is something that sets us aside out there. There are a ton of private lenders out there. There are a ton of funds. And, you know, we just went through probably one of the hardest times in my career other than 2008 was COVID, right? And there were a lot of private lenders. And when I talk about don't rely on Wall Street money, I'm really referring more to the private lending side of it. Meaning, you know, there are a lot of companies out there that say, we're going to lend you money and you're going to buy an investment property and we'll give you rehab funds. And they get their money from Wall Street. I will tell you this, when COVID hit, there were companies that literally shut down overnight because Wall Street made a run on their money, stopped everything, did calls, <laughs> said we want our money back. Um, and as an organization, we decided 10 years ago, we want to work with one-off lenders. We want to work with people that want to put money in their fund, in our fund. They want to buy our notes. And we don't take lines of credit. We don't rely on Wall Street funds. Um, and, it, you know, it made us healthier as a company. And we continued to lend through that. We continued to pay out 10 to 11% on our funds through the first year of COVID, which is like, unheard of, right? Mm -hmm. It's not to say we didn't have borrowers that couldn't make payments, but we worked with them. We got them all through that. You know, most of the time, it really wasn't that they didn't have the money. It was counties were shut down. They couldn't get inspections. They couldn't move their rehab projects along. So um, I guess what I meant by that is we as an organization don't do that. We don't leverage mm -hmm. our funds. We don't rely on lines of credit to, to run our funds. And um, we rely on one-off lenders. And we have a huge database that have been with us a very long time. And now it's referring friends and family. And, you know, it, it's a huge opportunity. But I'll tell you, I've been in this industry 20 years. And I have mm -hmm. clients that have told me, I don't want to tell anybody because you might not have enough deals for me. And, you know, if I tell everybody, you'll get too much money in the, you know, and it's like, that's so crazy. Like, I, mm -hmm. I see that. I can understand why they think that. But, you know, share share the information. It, it, mm -hmm. There are so much more opportunities out there other than just the traditional. And I'm and I'm not here to tell you to put all your eggs in our basket and pull all your money out of the stock market. That's not what I'm saying. Just diversify. There's right. just a lot of opportunity out there that I just don't think people are educated about. Well, and that's that's why I appreciate you coming on today is is because you know this is this is an area where you know some people out there need some education, right? I know yep. I personally need some education on this, right? It's something that um, is not talked about often and often enough. 
uh, especially in the real estate space. I know so many so many of us got in thinking, hey, I'm going to go buy an investment portfolio. I'm going to start buying single family and do it myself. And uh, if you don't have the, the capital and everything up front or you know a, a private money lender behind you to do this, this could be another way to get into it. Uh, mm -hmm. and down the road, eventually start doing your own thing. So I appreciate you coming on uh, and educating us. Um, as we as we wrap up, I'll ask this one thing I ask of everybody. Is there anything that I haven't asked today uh, that you think uh, our audience should know about? Uh, you know, the, the things that I, I think you asked it, but I just would probably want to highlight, you know, it, it doesn't matter whether you're an active investor or somebody looking for passive. And, and we have clients that do both. And we can help. You know, so if you are an active investor or you're a broker and you have a client that can't get traditional financing, give us a call. We that's what we do. We are very creative. And if the deal makes sense, we can get the deal done. And if you're on the passive side of it and you want to invest in real estate, but you don't have the time, you don't have you know, you have a full time job. You, you know, a lot of people think I have to have 500 grand to go buy a piece of real estate. You can invest in the funds and let us do the heavy lifting. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to deal with tenants calling you in the middle of the night, telling you like mine do that their toilets plugged up, you know, reap the benefits through the fund and let us do the dirty work for you. No. So um, whether you're pack passive or active, you know, we would love to talk with you more. So reach out and we can help you with that. Yeah, for sure. And if you want to find out more information, uh, go, go to the website, securedinvestmentscourt.com, right? And they can yes, connect absolutely. with you there. Is that the best place? Or yep. so if they go to securedinvestmentcorp.com, we've got information on there about both of our funds and then also our trustees or our notes that we sell. Uh, and they can schedule an appointment with me. And um, okay. if you, if, I guess one of the last things I would want to mention, if you do not have information about self-directed IRAs and 401ks, call me. I will refer you over to some really good custodians. You should really educate yourself about doing tax deferred accounts. Well, uh, I will just say, go ahead and send that to me and maybe I can have them on the show and we can have a yeah. uh, educational show for, uh, for, for the great. audience. That would be great. Yeah, so. I've got a couple of them we really enjoy working with. I'll send that to you. Okay, cool. I, I look forward to that. Well, uh, Heather, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you. And uh, yeah, thanks for being a great guest. Thanks for having me. All right. So today we've been talking about passive alternative investing, and I hope this has been educational for you. Uh, by, by no means, this is not me saying go out there, hey, invest and, and do all this kind of stuff. This is just simply a way to educate yourself. And, and I've been talking to a lot of brokers recently about different ways to help agents diversify, get started in investing in real estate in different ways. And so this is a way to do that. Now, uh, this is going to be wrapping up one of our, our final sessions, one of our final shows of 2021, if you're listening to this into the future. And so I want to say thank you so much for being a, a valued listener and member of our community. And I'm going to be doing some things a little bit different uh, in 2022. And so I'm looking to have conversations uh, with you. Uh, I'm looking to have uh, possibly some coaching conversations live on the show where we can actually dive in and I can help uh, help you uh, start to, to work on different areas of the business from growth, pr productivity, profitability, retention. And as a community, we come together to help support one another. So I appreciate you so much. Thank you for listening. And if I don't talk to you, have a happy Christmas and a happy new year. We'll talk soon. We'll see you in 2022. 
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Broker to Broker Real Estate Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe to the channel. For more information, tools, and resources, go to www.brokertobrokerpodcast.com. And always remember, be you and be real. We'll see you on the next episode.